Reflections from Asia's only venture into the devious world of nuclear smuggling and proliferation was on June the 21st, 2008. The recent story of nuclear proliferation in Asia, with all its twists and turns, reads like a script for a made-in-Hollywood, maybe even a made-in-Bollywood movie thriller. It would have to have a devious plot, consumed with insecurity in its deadly rivalry with India. Pakistan seeks nuclear assistance from China. Having obtained Beijing's help, and after receiving the plans for China's initial atomic bomb, Pakistan proceeds to manufacture its own nuclear weapons. Then a maverick group, brought together by Pakistan's leading nuclear scientists, decide there's money to be made from helping other developing nations equally consumed by their insecurities. Since the Pakistan government refuses to go along with such nuclear salesmanship, the group pursues its own international contacts, creates its own clandestine smuggling ring. Newly awakened to the increasing danger of nuclear proliferation and urged on by the Israelis, the American CIA and the British MI6 belatedly awaken to the threat posed by Pakistan's nuclear freelancers. After a lot of computerized detective work, which the camera plays down, and much skulldudgery in the back streets of Dubai, Bangkok and Kuala Lumpur, which the camera plays up, plus ardent denials of any wrongdoing by Pakistani leaders, the smuggling scientists are exposed. After more equally ardent denials, countered by revelations that the original Chinese bomb design received by the Pakistanis had been illegally sold to the Libyans, the nuclear ring is allegedly wound up late in 2003 and early 2004. The CIA and MI6 are able to bask in the glow of a job well done, a welcome respite after the failure to find weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. President George Bush claims that the shattering of the nuclear smuggling operation was a major intelligence coup for the United States. But just as you think the movie is ending in triumph, there is a twist in the plot. The protracted trial of three Swiss businessmen, alleged to be members of the Pakistani smuggling ring, leads in previously unexpected directions. Their computers, when finally de-encrypted, reveal that the ring possessed the computerized plans for a miniaturized nuclear bomb capable of being fitted into a warhead for the intermediate-range missiles which some developing nations, notably North Korea and Iran, have already developed. So, as the movie ends, the audience is left on the edge of their seats. Will would-be nuclear proliferators get the weapons they desire? Will the Pakistan smuggling ring finalise some even bigger sales? Or will the spy catchers get both smugglers and their illicit weapons before all the damage is done? Given all this suspense, it comes as no surprise to hear the news that another movie, Nuclear Smugglers 2, is already in production. This, I must stress, is merely and purely the imaginary script for a film dealing with a real-life problem. Recent revelations in numerous press reports, notably the New York Times and the Washington Post, 
plus a report by David Albright, head of the Institute for Science and International Security in Washington, D.C., and himself a former nuclear inspector for the IAEA, altogether suggest one firm conclusion. The gap between fiction and fact is not as wide as you might expect. This is primarily because of the questionable activities of a leading Pakistani nuclear scientist, A.Q. Khan. Forced by Pakistan's uneasy diplomatic circumstances to be both clandestine and devious as he sought to develop its national nuclear power, it was natural for Khan to continue being clandestine and devious as he sought to expand Pakistan's nuclear influence. Since after his 25 years as the head of Pakistan's nuclear program, Pakistan had emerged as a nuclear power capable of reacting to any kind of Indian nuclear attack and therefore enjoying a degree of security which a large army could never, ever by itself provide, A.Q. Khan has been regarded as something of a national hero in Pakistan. So when, in the face of foreign charges of nuclear transgressions, AQ completely denies any wrongdoing, as he usually does, many Pakistanis fervently believe him. One reason is that the Pakistan government's attitude towards AQ Khan is forever ambiguous. Sometimes it reacts to foreign complaints about his behaviour, but it seldom, if ever, initiates complaints itself, even though it nominally opposes nuclear proliferation. President Pervez Musharraf sacked Khan after he had been nuclear chief for 25 years as a result of foreign pressure, but then left Khan under a none-too-rigorous form of house arrest. From 2001 to 2004, after he was sacked as nuclear chief, A.Q. Khan worked as a special science and technology advisor to President Musharraf. But Musharraf never agreed to any American requests to interview Khan about his activities. At the very moment, the U.S. and Europe have additional serious reasons for wanting to question Khan. There is talk from Islamabad that the government may be on the point of further easing Khan's residual restraints and even letting him go free. The key to the current controversy over Khan's nuclear activities lies in his probable wider dissemination of sophisticated computerized designs for miniaturized nuclear bombs, making it possible for them to be more easily fitted into warheads for the kind of missiles that are now increasingly available in the developing world. At the beginning of his June the 16th report on this issue, Albright summarizes how both this problem has arisen and some of its consequent implications. Quote, in 2004, Swiss investigators seized computer files and documents from Swiss nationals, Friedrich Tinner and his two sons, Marco and Urs Tinner. The computer files contained over 1,000 megabytes of information, were encrypted and difficult to decipher. Nonetheless, Swiss investigators found the designs of smaller, more sophisticated nuclear weapons than the design of a Chinese bomb found in Libya. Why did these smugglers associated with the notorious Pakistani nuclear scientist A.Q. Khan have these designs unless they had sold or intended to sell them for Khan? Moreover, these computers were 
unlikely to be the only place where the tinners stored the designs. Others were bound to have received the digitised designs. But who has them? And what have they already done with them? How can authorities recover these designs if they are not sure who has them? How will authorities learn if Iran, North Korea or even terrorists bought these designs? Unquote. In plain language, the design discovered by Swiss investigators in the Tinner's computers clearly indicated that nuclear proliferation had been given a very strong boost. When nations opt to go nuclear, one immediate problem is that while they can make a basic atomic bomb, it is usually so large it cannot be easily transported, let alone placed in a warhead on top of a missile. The initial Chinese design, passed on to the Pakistanis and then sold by Khan to the Libyan leader Gaddafi, could never have been put on top of, say, the Nodong-type missile developed by the North Koreans and passed by them back to the Pakistanis and the Iranians. The carefully computerized and encrypted format of that nuclear design had two further advantages. It meant that the design could have been more easily switched from computer to manufacture. The computerized format also meant that the design could be easily copied and as easily transferred to others. This appeared to have already happened. Several recent news reports on this issue indicate the design has also been found on computers in Dubai, Malaysia and Thailand. No further details were provided. No report even hinted that these three nations were going nuclear. Rather, the assumption appeared to be that the computerized design was being transferred to other branches of the Khan smuggling network, which happened to be resident in these three nations. Conceivably, the computerized design has appeared elsewhere without anyone knowing anything about it. But a key question remains. Where did this nuclear bomb warhead design come from? The unending Indo-Pakistani Cold War has meant that the Pakistanis could not sit back and rest on their laurels once they received the Chinese design. Pakistan had to set about designing its own nuclear weapons, which were lighter and smaller than the Chinese design, and therefore could be fitted into warheads on Pakistan's growing fleet of missiles. Meanwhile, the main focus of the Khan smuggling network was in supplying technical data on the complex process of uranium enrichment, a nuclear field in which Khan himself had specialised and the Pakistanis were considered expert. In the light of this, the discovery that Pakistan had also smuggled the Chinese weapon design to Libya was a departure. Pakistan officials thereafter stressed the Chinese exception and categorically asserted that A.Q. Khan would not sell Pakistan's nuclear weapons designs. Once the Swiss investigators discovered the nuclear bomb design on the Tinner's computer, since they lacked nuclear expertise, they quickly called in the IAEA for an assessment. The IAEA told the Swiss they should either contact all nuclear weapons state or at least contact the Americans. Who made the assessment is not clear, but it was a shock. The Khan network was peddling one of Pakistan's own designs, one that had been tested as a counter to the Indian nuclear tests in 1998. Albright reports that when a senior IAE official told Pakistan officials what had been found, quote, the Pakistanis were upset since they realised that the designs were from their nuclear weapons arsenal. 
They were genuinely shocked. Khan may have transferred his own country's most secret and dangerous information to foreign smugglers so that they could sell it at a profit. These advanced nuclear weapons designs may have long ago been sold off to some of the most treacherous regimes in the world. Unquote. So the Khan nuclear network, which had allegedly been wound up, in reality made a comeback with a vengeance. Many questions remain of frightening relevance to Asian and global security. But there is one question that is seldom asked. Is the Khan smuggling nuclear network really separate from the Pakistan government? Many seem to assume that it is. But the very fact that the network could send one of Pakistan's secret nuclear designs whizzing around the world in highly complex computeries suggests collusion rather than separation. As it happens, a recently reported story about former Prime Minister, the late Benazir Bhutto, prompts the same conclusion, past the possibility that others besides Aqu Khan organise smuggling. The story is to be found in a memoir, Goodbye Shah Zadi, by the well-regarded Indian investigative journalist Shyam Bhatia. Bhutto and Bhatia were friends at Oxford University together. She told him the story on the strict condition that it should never be revealed during her lifetime. During her premiership, Pakistan was in desperate need of improved technology to reduce the missile gap between it and India. A barter deal was devised whereby Pakistan would obtain critical missile technology in return for critical data on uranium enrichment needed by the North Koreans. Before departing for Pyongyang, Bhutto brought an overcoat with the deepest possible pockets into which she transferred a number of compact disks containing the data North Korea wanted. Bhatia writes, quote, She implied that she had acted as a two-way courier, bringing North Korea's missile information on CDs back with her on the return journey, unquote. So, did Aqu Khan arrange that clandestine exchange? Or did someone else? Sadly, of course, Bhutto will never be able to confirm the story. But the story is worth recalling after David Sanger of the New York Times recently quoted a senior Bush administration official as saying, quote, The problem with Pakistan these days is that you never know who is making the decision, the army, the intelligence agencies, the president or the new civilian government. In such a murky political setup, it's probably difficult to know who is smuggling secrets and who is not.